It remains an unfortunate fact of life that money can't buy happiness. It can, however, buy you a new shirt, magnet, sticker, mug, or journal featuring exclusive designs related to this podcast. By visiting a historyofjapan.threadless.com and buying some of the items featured there, you get yourself something beautiful and help support this podcast at the same time. Again, that's a historyofjapan.threadless.com. Visit the store today. Hello, and welcome to A History of Japan. Season 4, Episode 12, The Reign of Empress Shotoku. With Fujiwara Nakamaro gone, there was no one left to stand in the way of Empress Koken's authority. Emperor Junin had been exiled to Awaji in late 764, along with all the other rebels who managed to keep their heads in the wake of the treason trials, but had the distinction of being strangled a few months into 765, likely by secret order of the Empress. Koken Tenno was in a unique position among sovereigns, and the court was in uncharted territory. While this is not the first time a Japanese sovereign had returned to a throne they had previously vacated, you may remember Empress Kogyoku, who served until the Ishii incident in the Asuka period, who later once more was elevated as Empress Saime. This was, however, the first time we know of when a retired sovereign decided, of their own accord and with force of arms, to once more sit upon the chrysanthemum throne. Nevertheless, the court seems to have been fairly united behind her return, and very glad to be rid of Fujiwara Nakamaro. With the removal of such a divisive and punitive chancellor, Empress Koken had her pick of experienced Kuge eager to build those things which, in her opinion, Nakamaro had destroyed. Fujiwara Toyonari, brother of Nakamaro, who famously played sick for eight years rather than be banished to Dazaifu, was returned to his previous post of Udaijin, Minister of the Right, and Kibi Makibi was named to the Dainagon, or Great Council, along with Fujiwara Nagate. The usual rank promotions followed, ensuring that the Kuge who had supported Koken Tenno were now eligible for higher offices when those positions became available. During Empress Koken's second reign, she is remembered as Empress Shotoku, a name which I recognize is easily confused with that of Prince Shotoku from the Asuka period, but it is what it is. By far the most shocking of Empress Shotoku's appointments was her choice for Daijo Daijin, or Chancellor. Rather than choosing a ranking member of the Fujiwara clan, or one of their rivals, she bypassed the usual Kuge entirely, and opted for a choice which would no doubt leave Fujiwara Nakamaro spinning in his grave. She chose the very man who had been the primary cause of the rift that had just cost Nakamaro his life. She chose the Buddhist monk, Do-kyo. 
You may be wondering how the proud Kuge could have possibly stomached being passed over for a clergyman who had no actual government experience. There is a good deal of debate over whether the monk was given any actual authority or was simply granted the office as an honor while the Sadaijin and Udaijin fulfilled the Daijo Daijin's duties between themselves. I'm inclined to think that the latter is probably the case, noting that the government structure of Nara Japan was not like that of modern governments, which tend to be clearly described in a constitution of some sort. Any office, especially among the higher offices, might be left vacant for years if there was no one of sufficient rank and ability to fill it. At this early stage, I think that Dokyo was Daijo Daijin in title only, and that actual Kuge were trusted with the daily responsibilities of government. As Dokyo was honored and elevated, so too was Buddhism. The increasing influence and importance of this religion was part of a far-reaching trend, of course, but it was through the Empress's sponsorship of the faith that it came the closest to becoming the official national religion. Hopefully you'll recall that it was Emperor Shomu who initiated widespread religious building projects, initiating the construction of Todaiji, and dotting many outlying provinces with their own Buddhist temples. Likewise, the unofficial monk Gyoki had organized the construction of over 49 monasteries and nunneries throughout the Kansai. It's important to remember that these structures were not merely decorative palaces for the monks and nuns, but also functioned as hospitals, public gathering spaces, shelter from natural disasters or bandits, and often distributed stored rice during times of famine. Their practical function was not too different from many of their western counterparts of the Christian faith. Empress Shotoku seems to have felt quite empowered by her return to the throne. It's my impression that she felt free to rule in the manner she wished, now that she was no longer under the overbearing eye of her mother and Fujiwara Nakamaro. In 765, shortly after her coronation, she banned private property, exempting only temples and shrines. This edict appears to have been only sparsely enforced as it contradicted the previous and very popular declaration of Emperor Shomu that anyone who reclaimed and cultivated wild land could have it tax-free in perpetuity. Shotokuten no's attempt to return to the concept that all land belonged to the emperor and that the farmers merely cultivated it was likely unwelcome news, but those charged with enforcing it were not eager to pick a fight. After all, one of the most prominent Kuge had just died in rebellion. Vexing the people by seizing their property would be inviting disaster. Empress Shotoku's sponsorship of Buddhism did not end with enriching the temples and showering Dokyo with honors. The indigenous cult of Kami worship would endure even greater encroachment on their territory, as temples would be built near their shrines, foreign relics forcibly placed in their sanctuaries, 
and the simple altars of their gods augmented with statues of bodhisattvas and other idols generally kept out of their holy places. This kind of syncretism was endemic to Japanese religion and, to a certain degree, to the many religions throughout East Asia. We've already discussed at length how Buddhist monks often specialized in Taoist rituals and even yin-yang divination. While the native cult of Japan had diminished in its political influence and already suffered a gradual degree of syncretic incorporation since Buddhism officially arrived in the mid-500s, the reign of Empress Shotoku was, for many practitioners of the old ways, nearly tantamount to outright persecution. The Empress's zeal was likely fueled in no small part by the influence of Dokyo, to whom she continued to grant titles and honors, in addition to appointing him to the post of Chancellor in 765, at least in name. In 766, she also gave him the title of Dharma King, essentially declaring that he had achieved awakening and was thus himself a Buddha. He arranged for many of his relatives from the Yuge clan, along with many of his disciples, to gain ranks and appointments as well, something which was obviously quite unpopular among the more established Kuge clans. However, they had just essentially sided against one of their own in supporting the return of Empress Shotoku, and, likely fearing a subsequent overreaction on her part now that she was on the throne, they kept their grumbling to themselves. It's tempting to cast Empress Shotoku as nothing more than a religious zealot who was bamboozled by a faith-healing charlatan, but the events of her reign suggest that she was quite practical and even calculating. She seems to have been aware of the Kuge's dissatisfaction and so pursued a rather bloody course to solidify her grip on power. If the court couldn't find a suitable heir, she must have reasoned, then I can't be replaced. In 765, she had Prince Wake arrested under suspicion of treason. It's hard to know if there was any merit to these charges, though the prince was recorded as having taken part in the coup against Emperor Junnin, so it seems unlikely he had anything to do with Nakamaro, and it seems equally unlikely that he was already plotting for the throne so soon after supporting Empress Shotoku. We can't be certain, however, because he died under suspicious circumstances while awaiting trial. The next rival to be removed from eligibility was Empress Shotoku's half-sister, Princess Fuwa, the widow of Prince Shioyaki, who had joined Nakamaro's rebellion. The princess was accused of attempting to curse the empress in 769, and was thus officially removed from the imperial family and given the name Kuria Mahito, and banished to Tosa province on the island of Shikoku. It is said that no Kuge dared to even speak the word succession in the empress's presence, much less propose discussing the issue regardless of how pressing it became. In 769, after four years of this uneasy status quo between long-suffering Kuge and fast-ascending cronies of Dokyo, an oracle of the Usa Hachimangu Shrine proclaimed a rather surprising 
and unusual message from the gods. The shrine was devoted to the veneration of Hachiman, the deified form of the semi-legendary Emperor Ojin, and even with the Buddhist encroachment, it remained an important holy site for the people of Kyushu and for the court as well. The governor of Dazaifu sent a report to Heijo Kyo, which relayed the message of the oracle. If Dokyo was made the Tenno, the world would be at peace. A bit of background is necessary before we dissect what happened next. The governor of Dazaifu at the time was none other than Yuge Kiyohito, Dokyo's younger brother. There was little doubt among the Kuge that this so-called oracle was yet another plot by Dokyo to overreach and attain what was not rightfully his. None dared speak against it, however, fearing that opposing the oracle outright would be seen as defying the gods and even possibly treason. There was an alternative to flat denial, however, and the Kuge instead settled on requesting confirmation of this unorthodox revelation. In what I assume is a clever bit of calculus on the part of the Kuge, they requested that the Empress dispatch one of her ladies-in-waiting named Hokin to confirm the oracle. This particular member of Shotokuten no's entourage was a loyal, devoted servant who was formerly known as Wake Hiromushi, but had adopted a Buddhist moniker when she took vows alongside her mistress. Hokin was known to be pious and honest, so no one could object to her selection on any kind of moral grounds. But she was also growing old, and generally in poor health. Herein we see the potential motivation of the Kuge regarding this particular choice. They thought she wouldn't survive such a journey with her poor constitution, no doubt believing that they could use her impending death as a sign of the god's displeasure at the whole affair. Not a bad plan, as these sorts of plans go, but Empress Shotoku would have none of it. She appointed instead Hokin's younger brother, Wake Kiyomaro. The journey to Usa Hachimangu Shrine was probably one of the most stressful of Kiyomaro's life. He was 36 years old at the time, and the account of his journey leads us to conclude that he conducted himself honestly and pursued the truth, regardless of consequences to himself. Operating as an official representative of the Empress, he made an offering of treasure to the shrine and read an imperial edict requesting confirmation of the previous oracle. A priestess at the shrine named Karashima Suguri Yosome, who was in charge of transmitting oracles, reported first that the god refused to even hear the edict. Kiyomaro read it once more, and asked the priestess to transmit the god's response. This time the deity had an answer. The person who succeeds the current Tenno will be a member of the imperial family without any doubt. When Kiyomaro returned to Heijo-kyo, he reported what happened in full. 
I have to admit some level of admiration for the man. Giving a sovereign bad news to their face when said sovereign has a habit of ordering up assassinations for those who get in their way. Luckily for him, Kiyomaro's life was spared, but there were certainly consequences for his boldness. Empress Kolken stripped him of rank and renamed him Wakabe Kitanomaro, denying him the prestige of carrying the name of the Wake clan. He was then sent to Osumi province on the southernmost tip of Kyushu, as if the empress wanted to send him as far away from her court as she possibly could. This incident is particularly illuminating because of what we can infer about the importance of the indigenous cult. While it is generally accepted that the oracle at Usahachimangu shrine was a fabrication, it is interesting that Empress Shotoku and Do-kyo did not frame the revelation in a Buddhist, Taoist, or yin-yang framework, but felt that such a heavy and unorthodox proclamation required the weight of a kami shrine. Although its influence certainly waned throughout the 700s, clearly the native religion was still seen with a certain air of legitimacy if it was chosen to take precedence in such matters. The empress struggled with a long-term illness once more in 770. She seems to have been laying plans for a new capital in Kawachi province, perhaps a sign that she felt her grip on power slipping under the failure to place Do-kyo as the new Tenno. The chronicles say that she suffered for a hundred days with illness, though we can only speculate whether this was similar to the sickness of which Do-kyo had healed her in the first place. It appears that Do-kyo was not as involved with this particular ailment as the only attendant allowed in the Empress's presence was Kibi Yuri, either the daughter or sister of Kibi Makibi. There is no record of Dokyo offering a healing prayer as he had done before, which has led some scholars to conclude that the Empress Shotoku was either abandoned to die alone or perhaps was even poisoned. There are some hints that Dokyo may have used some of the hundred days of her sickness trying to plot a way to take the throne by force, no doubt trying to use the family members he had so subtly placed on the great council and in other high offices, but it came to nothing if it ever existed in the first place. Empress Shotoku died in 770 at the end of a six-year reign, which had been preceded by a nine-year reign. She was 52 years old and had successfully resisted two different attempts at rebellion, first by Tachibana Naramaro, then by her former ally Fujiwara Nakamaro. Had Shotoku Tenno's reign lasted longer, I believe we would have seen the largest rebellion of the Nara period yet, and that it may have even been successful. Her decisions were often unpopular, and by the time her reign came to an end, not even Dokyo seems to have supported her any longer. Her second reign was marked by controversy and the unpopular decision to revoke private ownership of cultivated land and her tendency to remove potential rivals to the throne meant that there were now no eligible descendants of Emperor Temmu, 
who could take the throne in her place. Thus the Sun line reverted to the branch of his brother, King Tenji, as Prince Shirakabe was placed on the Chrysanthemum throne as Emperor Konin. We'll talk more about the new emperor, as well as the fates of Dokyo and his followers, next time. Until then, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at A History of Japan, visit the online store ahistoryofjapan.threadless.com, and find us on the web ahistoryofjapan.com. Thank you.